It's time for episode 126 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March the 2nd, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where, like clockwork, Super Tuesday is always followed by Wonderful Wednesday. I am your host, Jason <laughs> Snell, and across the internet from me, my co-host, Mr. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Is tomorrow... What's tomorrow? Fantastic Thursday? I don't even... I'm not really sure. Yeah, sure. It could be that. It could be that. They Fab- don't have to be alliterative. Uh, uh, oh, oh, Super Tuesday do. is not alliter- alliterative, so yeah. That it, was an oversight by our founding fathers. Also alliterative is all I'm saying. Amazing. We are uh, here to talk about four technology topics in 30 minutes, joined, as always, by two wonderful guests. To my left, it is uh, the, the co-host of uh, of so many podcasts on Relay FM. I don't even know what they're called anymore. Is it, is it still isometric? It is for now. It is for it now. Is. That's foreshadowing. Spoil- oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, and Rocket. It yep. is Brianna Wu. She already introduced herself. Hi, Brie. Hey, uh, thanks for giving me the leaderboard to Clockwise, the, the list of how many people have come on the show how many times? Georgia Dow is in striking distance and she's going down. Yeah, you are climbing. You are climbing rapidly. In fact, I'm going to have to resort the leaderboard now because you've yeah. just moved up a spot. That's so right. leaderboard yeah. only available to our most premium of subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our supporters. Uh, and to my left, our other guest, the Chicago Sun-Times technology columnist and the co-host of the Material Podcast right here on Relay FM, Mr. Andy Anako. Hi, Andy. Hello. I don't know how Super Tuesday is because I actually saw the news from Tuesday, but I'm optimist. I'm optimist. <laughs> Not so I've got, super Tuesday. I've got, I've got a Dr. Pepper in my hand. How bad could life really Welcome be? Welcome to Wonderful Wednesday. I'm looking forward to the, the movie coming out later this year, Super Tuesday versus Bat Wednesday. That is, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> it, Dawn it really, of it, morning. It, it really is like the start of Lent. You have Fat Tuesday where it's all beignets and parades down the street, and then Ash Wednesday, yep. and you have to be in church. That's how I feel between this Tuesday and Wednesday. Makes you rethink things about life. All right. Well, we're going to talk about four topics in 30 minutes, so I should probably get this started so that I don't have to edit this podcast down a lot. Uh, That's how it works, by the way. Uh, So I'm motivated to keep things moving. Here's my question for you. Uh, Related to the discussions we've been having about the FBI and Apple and court orders and things like that, I think there's one question that people aren't asking, and I'm interested in your take on this. Which would you rather do? Because this is a choice I think we all have to make now, which is, would you rather back up all your files on a convenient cloud server? Services, uh, you know, cloud storage platform that is probably going to be readable by somebody under a court order or somebody at a vendor if their uh, if their policies aren't particularly stringent about who can peer where. Um, or would you rather go through the inconvenient manual backup process or storage of your files locally to a device that you can c- encrypt yourself and control entirely yourself? Convenience or uh, complete uh, inscrutability? What do you think, Bree? Well, I think it's it's a hard choice, right? Uh, I think a lot of us on Relay have you know spouses that aren't so super technical, and mine is as well. And you know, if you don't automate a process, people are just simply not going to use it. You know, so I think it's kind of I, I think what we need is you know these these online backup services like iCloud and you know Carbonite to you know basically uh, do server side encryption on their end, kind of make it so they can't read it themselves. You know, as for me. Um, you know, I keep backups in both, uh, but I think it's a very serious problem, and I'm, I'm glad people are starting to talk about it. Yeah, I, I kind of do both as well right now, which is I have local backups, of course, and, and off-site backups. 
Uh, I don't think my local backups are terribly well encrypted. However, there are some cases in which stuff that I back up to, uh, you know, a cloud, which may be encrypted, but I may not hold the key for. Um, I do sometimes create uh, secure disk images of certain particularly sensitive information that I, you know, have my own password to. Therefore, it's encrypted once on a disk image and then encrypted again, but with, you know, a key from the provider. So in theory, I guess the government could get my backups, but they still wouldn't be able to get access to that encrypted disk image. Um, So, uh, you know, I think there is definitely this is the eternal trade off is security versus convenience. And as you know, a lot of people have been talking to, uh, you know, talking about with the whole Apple situation, if Apple does decide to encrypt its iCloud backups, well, the problem then is, you know, you have much less margin for error. And if you lose your password or if the person who holds the password passes away and hasn't told anybody else what the password is, that information is lost forever. Uh, And so uh, I think, you know, right now, many of us have to strike that balance, you know, and decide where we where we want to put that. And for me, I think the convenience of having all my information backed up is far more important than the chances that the FBI or some other law enforcement agency will want to snoop in on that. But as you know, that that may change what with the political establishment might change. And so you never know what the next sort of line of defense will need to be. Yeah, it's a classic problem of uh which are you going to give favor to uh, a real practical tangible right in front of you sort of thing or convenience or something that is just sort of conceptual like imagine that you found out that i let I, I, I like chipotle and let's say that they were there was a brand new chipotle built like exactly 2 miles from my house perfect walking distance there and back what if I found out that they were a huge political contributor to a couple of causes that I really, really hate? And then it would be down to, do I not? But they, they won't care that I don't do this. They they won't feel the hit that I'm not buying burritos there anymore. And I will not have a good place to go and and have lunch when I want to go. Uh, I I think that it would it would that would ick me out enough that I would say okay I can't eat at Chipotle anymore. In this case, I think that I would continue to use that cloud service because my entire office goes to a standstill if I can't use a cloud service or if I don't know that there's an easy offsite. What it would uh, the only modification it would make to my uh, behavior is I I would put more stuff completely offline. Uh, right now, if there's stuff that I absolutely don't want anybody to see, that doesn't touch uh, – it doesn't even touch a, a drive that gets backed up anywhere. It is on it's, – it's encrypted and it's on a memory card and that memory card is actually put somewhere in the house where you would not find it unless there was a house fire and you're sifting through the ashes and you found this thing in this really odd place. Yeah, I think uh, I think this, these are all great points. It is always a balance. I back up lots of stuff to the cloud, and I have people say, "Can I can't believe that you back up your you know your invoices to Dropbox because somebody at Dropbox can look in there and see all your invoices." And you know, I suppose if I had something that I particularly wanted nobody else in the world to see, I would do something you can do, which is encrypt your own stuff. You can encrypt your own stuff on your device and then sync that on the cloud. And guess what? 
all if they get a court order to uh, to view it or if a spy agency comes in to view something guess what you get you get the encrypted file and then they need to know that password which they don't know because only you know it so you can double encrypt things you know and that works too and my my father-in-law does that he has an encrypted disk image that he that he backs up and the you know and so you know he's he's doubly protected so you can do that if you really want to for sensitive stuff um, but it is an interesting question I think we all have to ask ourselves that that uh, the cloud services are awfully convenient but it does come with some uh, very specific specific uh, compromises that I think we just all need to be aware of. And I think people are becoming more aware of it, which is good. We're going to move on to our second topic. That was good. Uh, what what comes next? Brianna, are you going to take us into the world of virtual reality now? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, uh, you know, last week, uh, HTC, which, you know, made some excellent Android phones for a long time, but their sales have really been going down. They have a product that is getting a ton of buzz in our industry. Uh, it's really seen as the one real competitor to Oculus. It's the HTC Vive. Um, it has one really interesting different, differentiating feature. So you set up sensors all around your room, and it will kind of scan there. And what it does is it's an extremely accurate tracking experience of where your, your head is looking, where your hands are. Basically, um, you know, it kind of lets you walk around the room as you're in it. So, like, you can um, paint something in 3D and then walk around it and, and see it very accurately. So, this debuted at $200 more than the Oculus did. Um, you know, it also comes with two controllers, which I personally don't like as much. But I kind of wanted to open this up because, you know, I think a lot of us here love Apple products. It's very concerning to me that you can look at the uh, the specs for both of these products, the Oculus and the HTC, and, you know, currently there are not any Macs can can meet those specs. So do you think this is something where Apple is going to have to kind of move forward and kind of start shipping devices with more graphical power? Well, I mean, I think the other alternative there is Apple doing its own sort of virtual reality thing of some variety. And whether or not that happens, I don't know. I mean, the natural inclination of things is that, you know, the Apple will keep revving its hardware and making better and better stuff and hopefully will meet those system requirements. The question is whether that keeps pace with the way virtual reality develops. Uh, and in many ways, I guess I feel like now perhaps this, we might see a repeat of what essentially happened during the 90s, uh, where, you know, I, I felt like I, I, you know, constantly wanted to be able to play the games uh, that my PC using friends were playing. And not only were they often not ported to the Mac, but, you know, a lot of times the hardware just simply wasn't wasn't com uh, commensurate. So I'm not sure Apple sees it as a priority, if only because right now, although it's acknowledged that there's some interest in the VR space, I think a lot of that interest seems to you know be related to games. And Apple and gaming has been a very bizarre, <laughs> a bizarre relationship that sort of like I feel like Apple often ended up being like, what people like playing games on iOS devices? What? Uh, and they've sort of tried to embrace that, but on the Mac side, it's always been very, very slow. Maybe they're just still bitter after that whole Halo debacle <laughs> 17 <laughs> years ago now. Um, so I'm not convinced that Apple will necessarily feel the need to respond to that. Um, but I imagine, hopefully, as the specs requirements come down and Apple you know, ships better and better Macs, that we'll find a happy medium somewhere. I don't think that... Uh it's a reason that Apple would internally decide to beef up their graphics. But I think that would be on that list of reasons why 
they think that having the most powerful graphics in the industry is uh, is really important for them. You think about every single thing, every single unnecessary transition and uh, piece of motion and blur and piece of lighting tricks that's uh, just basically in the desktop operating system. And they're, they really do like having a really pretty, pretty paintbrush to, uh, to to paint their operating systems in. So I'm, I'm sure that that's somewhere on the list. I don't think it's a priority. I agree with Dan. Um, I also don't think that Apple is well suited to really innovate in uh, the VR space. They're historically better at looking at a well-established market, looking at that template, buying existing hardware, seeing how people are using that hardware and then using that as their own inspiration. Uh, if they were to come out with something brand new without a market in place, I think it would be pretty uninteresting. Yeah, I, um, I'm i excited about it. I was actually on the Screensavers uh, Leo Laporte show the, uh, this past weekend. They're building a gaming PC for VR, uh, which is a fun little project for them. It fits very well into what the that show is about. But um, it, I found myself getting kind of excited about this. And it, and it's uh, But it's it's from this gaming perspective where I think Apple kind of doesn't play. And uh, it's okay, I think, for Apple, uh, if we want to take it from that perspective, to say uh, it doesn't have a device that's capable of doing this right now. I, I think uh, I agree with Dan there that, that this is I think if this is going to become something it may start with gaming and branch out from there but Apple is probably going to be less concerned about it until it uh, branches out from gaming uh, but then who, who knows we know that they're working on something and that's VR related and uh, or AR related perhaps and uh, it'll be interesting to see but I do think that for, for games especially where people buy lots of expensive custom gear in order to have the best experience I think it's ultimately going to be a hit I think this is this is the time, and maybe this first generation is going to have to shake out before we get there. But I do think it's going to be a hit for games. That 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 um that much I think is almost certain now. I I have to say I think the the applications in VR and AR I am most interested in are, are not gaming. And I think if you look at the people that are really innovating in the space, it's um I I think it's going to surprise people just how many real-world uh, business applications there are for this. Um, and I agree with you, it's probably not a um, priority for Apple, but I think it's worth sitting back and noting just how um, unprepared a lot of the Apple frameworks are mm. to compete with the professional end things on other platforms. Um, you know, Vulcan over on, you know, it's kind of this open-source competitor to Metal that's come out. Um, you know, it's not going to make as many inroads clearly as a uh, metal has on the Apple side, but you know, we're, they're solving these problems. Like they're getting ready. They have tools that are prepared for this. And it's very frustrating for me as someone that wants to be producing this content to not be able to buy a Mac at any price or hack together in any way and have it able to run it. So um, I think at the very least, I'd like to see Apple bring out a Mac pro that can let, yeah. uh, you know, creative professionals develop on this. That, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right, we are halfway through this episode of Clockwise, and that means I need to tell you about um, our sponsor before we move on to the next half of the show, because that's what half time is all about. Uh, this episode of Clockwise brought to you by Linode. Combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world it makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute. They've got this very simple web tool that lets you do that. Plans start at just $10 a month, so it, it can be incredibly cheap to have your own server running on the internet that you completely control. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location right from the manager tool 
tool, and once you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Linode's servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, and access to a 40-gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. Plus, there's an API to let you automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And all of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. They have more than 400,000 customers served by a friendly 24-7 support team. They're even open over the holidays. And they're committed to continually improving their infrastructure. They recently switched from Zen to KVM, and their latest Unix benchmark showed a 300% performance increase. I use Linode for the server that runs six colors and the incomparable, and it is reasonably priced and lets me do all sorts of crazy stuff, and and it's all backed up through Linode, too. So uh, I, uh, I have to say, they, I'm a customer and I'm very happy with the, the service they provide. And I think it's a great deal. The cost of uh, running a server on the internet now compared to what it was even five years ago, it's just mind boggling. So it, whether you want to run a private Git server, host a large database, run a mail server, uh, run your own podcast network, whatever, uh, you can do it on Linode. And if uh, you are interested, you can go to linode.com. That's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise. And you'll support us, but you'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven day money back guarantee so there's no reason not to give it a try go to linode.com slash clockwise learn more sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or just remember to use clockwise 20 at checkout thank you to linode for supporting halftime of clockwise all right time for topic number three dan what do you have so uh this week soundhound of all people came out with i believe a new uh app called hound which is another voice-based intelligent assistant uh, we now have a glut of these from Google's app to obviously Siri built in. Cortana has an app on iOS too. Um, Siri's coming to the Mac, all of this stuff. So my question for you guys is how many of these do you use? If any of them, do you use them frequently? I mean, you throw in stuff to like the Amazon Echo and things like that. Does it seem like voice-based control? Is, is this a passing fad that's sort of spiking right now? Or is this really something that's here to stay as far as how we interact with our devices? Well, the miracle is that Amazon has made a tech device followed up after the the the, the Fire Phone that is a legitimate hit, uh, and so uh, I I would say yes. Uh, I use uh, uh, I use my Amazon Echo several times over the course of the day, so much so that I keep thinking about buying additional ones because I'm, I'm now I'm upstairs uh, in my bedroom getting dressed and I just want to call out and say, Hey, <laughs> Hey, Hey, I don't want to trigger, yes. trigger everybody's Hello, device. <laughs> yes. It's like what, what's the weather right now? Or I'll set a timer for the kitchen or I'll be reading a, something online that's in like grams. And I will say, what's, what's 87 grams in ounces, uh, it really comes down to this ability that you have this speaker that I don't have to pick up a phone. I don't have to have turned on a feature. I don't have to have plugged something into a power supply. Uh, I don't have to even be within proximity of the device. I just simply ask a question. It parses it and gives me an answer. So uh, Amazon has really shown the way of how you can make this technology so that it becomes something as uh, as important in your life as uh, a smartphone might be. Yeah, I think the ambient nature of uh, the Amazon Echo and how it has become a more uh, a better fit in a lot of people's lives than shouting at their phone or pressing a button on their phone to talk to it is is an interesting 
an interesting thing that potentially leads the way to some more interesting stuff down the road. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Apple uh, tr- experiment here because I think it's a good idea. I would before getting the Amazon Echo, I would probably have said that I think that this is uh, currently of limited use utility, mostly because. Um, Stuff isn't smart enough, and the echo isn't smart enough either. But uh, but the context seems better to just be able to sort of shout at it wherever you want, and uh, it it can hear you and it can understand you when it's connected to maybe more things than Siri is. Um, so now I would say it needs to sort of listen to me everywhere, and it needs to be uh, much better at understanding me, and it needs to be connected to many more services or allow me to connect it to many more services. But when all those conditions are applied, I do think the voice intelligent assistant stuff is going to be, uh, it's going to be big. It just may take a while. I feel like they're like on several different fronts. We're just not there yet. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. Um, I use Siri all the time. I use I, just constantly. It's one of the most useful things in my life. I've sent uh, messages to everyone here on this podcast today. They've been riddled with typos because I use Siri so much. Um, and I haven't used Amazon yet. Uh, I haven't used this Amazon Echo yet, mostly because, you know, Apple and Amazon, you know, they, they kind of don't work with each other's yeah. ecosystems, right? Like I can't watch, uh, you know, Amazon Prime streaming on my Apple TV, and I can't stream Apple Music on Amazon Echo, which is why I haven't done this. But um, I think it's getting smarter all the time. Um, you know, something I see a lot when talking to other you know, venture capital, you know, operations in tech is I see a lot of, um, you know, money being put towards, you know, NLP stuff, natural language. So uh, I think this is going to be big. I think it's going to keep getting smarter. And I actually think it's tied into VR and AR, where, you know, this is going to be a very fundamental part of where we go from here. Yeah, I, I agree with all of you. It should come as no surprise. I'm an unapologetic fanboy of the, the Amazon Echo, which I've had since I think one of the first rounds of chipping. And it's just it, it has changed my life in such a way. The other uh, uh, the other, the end of last week, my internet went out for an entire afternoon, and I think I when when Ele- when Alexa came back, I was like, "Oh, you're back! I'm so glad to see you." Let's never um, fight again. Yeah, and she's like, "That's very nice of you to say." Anyway, so I I I really do feel like maybe part of it is, is my internal desire, as always, to live on you know Star Trek or whatever and have a voice activated computer at my beck and call. But it really just has the idea of this sort of ambient, ubiquitous computing where you don't have to go sit in front of a terminal to do something just seems like such a no-brainer to me um, that I feel like it's not like it replaces everything I need to do, but it does replace a certain subset of things. And I think that voice is such a natural way to interact with things, especially when you have your hands full. Like there's a reason people communicate to each other via speech for the most part, right? Like this is, we developed that capability for a reason. So I think it makes sense that we would use it uh, to interact with our computers as well. And so, you know, all of these people are sort of rushing to try and figure out the best application of it. Um, I think that there that there is so much comp- competition here is great because it pushes all of these people forward. Um, and I think that, you know, talking to your computer is, is going to be the norm within the next few years. Uh, that's my topic. I think we have time for one more from Andy. Yes. Uh, one of the reasons why I was up so late last night because I was watching Scott Kelly returning to Earth after 340 days on the International Space Station. Uh, and he said that in his last week in one of his last interviews on board, he said he could stay for another 100 days or another 100 years. This is exactly the sort of people that you do send into space who mm-hmm. will actually enjoy that experience of being up there for a year. Uh, 
got me thinking, are there any circumstances or conditions under which you would not accept an opportunity to go into orbit uh, if you believed, let's say, that the safety risk were at least as good as a ride on the space shuttle? And when we're using that as the yardstick, let's not forget that the space shuttle lost two whole crews. Yeah, yeah, the failure rate of the space shuttle is not is not great. Um, but that's the that's the risk you take. I don't know, I would seriously consider it. Um, I, I, I think, uh, when I talk about going into space, a lot of my talk is like, I've got a family back on earth. So going to Mars and staying there would be uh, a difficult thing. I've got, you know, kids in school. I would probably not go to Mars quite yet, but, uh, for an opportunity to go into orbit, uh, at space shuttle percentage risks, I would probably say yes, um, and just because what an amazing thing it would be. I, I, I dreamed of being, you know, going into space when I was a kid. And uh, and at some point as the as the space program kind of uh, slowed down, I came to the realization that uh, regular people going into space was not something that was going to happen in my lifetime. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would probably jump at it. I, I, I think unless they, you know, unless there was some horrible condition, like you would lose your arms, but you would be in space, <laughs> uh, I would probably say yes. But, but uh, I need to come back. I couldn't stay up there for a hundred years because I'd need to come back to my family. Uh, for me, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not going to surprise you to know I don't have a very uh, risk-averse personality. So <laughs> I, would, I would be up there in a second. Uh, in fact, my, my husband and I, like, we went and saw The Martian and we're like, that sounds great. Let's go do it. That sounds fun. <laughs> Let's be stranded on Mars. I, Amazing. That sounds great. I would love to do that. Um, I love French yeah, fries. I, I do have to say for Frank, um, he actually patented one of the, the, the drugs that's going to be most key for us doing this in the future. Uh, they uh, His former employer did this, and it's something that helps you generate muscle even when they're atrophying. And it has a lot of um, you know applications for like you know helping older people like keep their muscle mass. But also when you're in space, like this is one of the key drugs that's going to let us live in space for a really long time, which I think is very interesting. So I'm all in. Uh, I'm really ready to see the next uh, chapter of you know humanity and where we're going as a species, especially after Super Tuesday yesterday. So <laughs> everyone to space. I'm all in. I'm all in. Just yeah. wait till Space Friday. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, well, <laughs> I maybe I'm I'm probably just the wuss here. Despite being a person who has oh. actually written like sci-fi books about space and people going to space, I am super. I I don't even like flying that much. <laughs> like going to space, I feel like is a whole new level of like anxiety for me. So I love the idea of space travel, but like maybe at the current stages, which it, you know under Andy's terms here, maybe is still a little a little too much risk versus reward for me. Um, but I fully support everybody else who wants to go to space and fully support shooting other people in the space if that's an option <laughs> my it's my answer was kind of weird when i was thinking about it uh i what it came down to is realizing that it would be so painful to live the remaining hopefully 40 years of my life knowing that i was given a i was asked the question offered the choice yes or no and i said no and I could imagine what if uh, I, I know the increased risk of cancer. I know the increased risk of, uh, of losing a, a bone mass and all that's all those sort of risks. And I would I feel like I would accept those. It would be easier to deal with those aches and pains. It would be easier to deal with dying at 58 or 68 than knowing that, well, <laughs> you got those you got that bored Wednesday where you're thinking that, well, let's see, there's nothing on TV. Let's just think about how much fun it would have been to spend a week in space that you could have done, but you said no to. 
the so even I think I would even take accept it if it, I had to give up a whole year of my life uh, to being in orbit. I think I would get. I think I would even take the risk if it were the safety risk were even lower than the space shuttle. The weird thing is the only thing that would really make me imagine my saying no is if I had to go into space with jerks. Like, <laughs> And this is and this is what bothers me about like uh, Virgin Galactic and all these space tourist things. I imagine being in there with like five people with like GoPro cameras, like woo, okay, let's throw the the MMs in the ground, woo, like okay, selfie, everybody, selfie, like hi, this is this is Gator and the Beaver uh, doing the first live morning zoo show from space, and I'm like, oh, for the love of God, I'm like, why did I want to do this? And I'm and I'm vomiting, and it smells like a toilet in here. Why did I sign up for this? So it would be hell. They, they say hell is other people and that's i would much rather risk dying in re-entry than being <laughs> a background character in some sweet 16 party in orbit <laughs> uh, 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 selfie shots wow well we've reached peak clockwise right there um, <laughs> great I'm proud. great uh, great subjects great phrasings uh we're gonna move on to our bonus topic before we say goodbye just time for this super short topic looking for a short answer here to this spring training is here my favorite baseball team plays its first spring training game later today it is my favorite sport what's yours brie uh, well, the reason Dan Morin and I are arch nemesis is because my house supports the Yankees and he is a Red Sox fan. So <laughs> it is baseball, sadly. Yeah, well, you just pretty much spilled the beans on that one. Yes, I am a Red Sox <laughs> fan. I am not as uh, rabid, perhaps, as I, I used to be, but I still keep abreast of stuff. As far as playing sports, though, I'm, I'm an ultimate frisbee player. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my sport to play. A uh, sport to watch. I got to go with baseball, too. I just love the it, people say it, it, this. It plays very very slowly but i love the storytelling that happens with a well televised and commented uh, baseball game baseball wins take that Stephen hackett <laughs> and that brings us to the end of this edition of clockwise i'd like to thank our guests to my left thank you brianna Wu. once again you're rising on the leaderboard yeah yeah andy Anako, thank you so much for being here i'm proud to have made my second appearance on clockwise I'll be like the I'll I'll be like that relief pitcher that comes in only three games, but hopefully delivers a clutch performance. And Dan, uh, <laughs> pleasure as always. We did another one. How about that? Uh, it's in the books. And next week we'll be in space. Next week we'll be yeah. <laughs> after Space Friday, we're all going to be in space. So, uh, but until then, we want to remind everybody out there to watch what you say and keep watching the clock. See you next week. Bye.